But the wonderful truth of the incarnation is God actually did embrace human flesh. He's not only known in echoes and shadows. We get to know him in a way we can understand. The life and the attitudes, the teaching and the miracles of Jesus, God in human form, shows us what God is truly and really like. And it's wonderful that he does that. And what we do in our bodies does matter. It's not like, well, I'm spiritually alive and I can do what I like in the flesh. It doesn't matter what I do, how I live, how I treat people, how I treat God's world. That's irrelevant. It is relevant. God came into the world and embraced human flesh and values it. And Jesus had a body, a real physical body. And he died on that cross. And Jesus has a resurrected body. God hasn't rejected human flesh. God has got involved. And our material world isn't evil. It's going to be embraced and redeemed by God. So it's a really important truth to get hold of, that God became flesh, the incarnation, God with us. If we could have the next slide, please. There are crucial doctrines in the Christian faith. And one is obviously the crucifixion. Jesus dies on the cross to pay the price for your sin and my sin. He takes our sins on himself and he releases forgiveness to us, the doctrine of the crucifixion. And the doctrine of the resurrection is important. Jesus doesn't just die, but he demonstrates that he's conquered sin by also rising from the dead and conquering death. And we were singing that song in Christ alone. We remembered how Jesus died, but how he rose again and conquered death. But the other great doctrine, maybe we don't emphasize it so much as the death and resurrection of Jesus, is this doctrine of the incarnation. Jesus is God in human form. And it's amazing. It should make us wow. It's brilliant. And it's actually crucial. And apparently it was the, the doctrine that dominated the thought of the early church. They, they weren't so much questioning and thinking about the crucifixion or about the resurrection, but they really tried to get their hearts and minds around the incarnation. Jesus died on the cross, but he wasn't just one of many martyrs. It was God in Jesus dying in our place. And only God in Jesus could be the perfect substitute for us. No other martyr could be that perfect man that could pay the price for our sins. It had to be God in the person of Jesus that died on the cross. Only that could bring us forgiveness. And it says in Corinthians, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Without him, it wouldn't have happened. We'd still be distant and disconnected from God. We know through reading the Bible that Lazarus was also resurrected. But with Jesus' resurrection, the crucial thing is it's God in the person of Jesus rising from the dead. And he's the first fruits to all of us who have put our faith in him. The incarnation teaches that Jesus is fully 100% human, but also fully 100% God. And those two things are crucial and they really, really matter. He's human and he is divine. In his humanity... Jesus was an embryo. Jesus was an unborn child in the womb. Jesus was a baby. He grew up as a child 
and into a man. He ate and drank and slept and socialized and traveled and worked. He was hungry and thirsty and tired. Jesus was fully human. But in his divinity, he was also God in human form. And his disciples really struggled to comprehend that. They didn't really realize who he was throughout that time of ministry. But during that time, when he was training his disciples, Peter had that revelation from heaven, didn't he? And Jesus says, who am I? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And he got that revelation that Jesus was, in fact, God in human form. And then Thomas, who we nicknamed Doubting, it's not really fair on him, is it? He said, I can't believe this stuff. And then when he saw Jesus, he did believe. We still call him Doubting Thomas. He knelt down and worshipped Jesus. And he said, my Lord and my God. And the incarnation shows us that we have God in human form living with us. Jesus is fully human, but fully divine. And John's Gospel Verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Contrary to what the JWs and knock on your door will tell you, the Word was God. Jesus is human and divine. And Jesus' work on the cross works because he's both. He's fully God and fully human. Jesus' resurrection works because he's both. If he'd just been a man, we wouldn't be reconciled to God. If he'd stayed distant in heaven, we wouldn't have joined together again in harmony in our spirits with the God and Father of the universe. Jesus builds that bridge. He is God and man. In his flesh, he shows us what God is like. And in his flesh, he shows us what we can and should be like by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that speaks volumes, if you put the next uh, slide up. Uh, you get these ancient icons. I'm, I'm not sure that Irenaeus actually looked like that. But uh, in the Middle Ages, they drew uh, icons and pictures of leaders. And he was a, an early church father, Irenaeus. He was discipled by a guy called Polycarp. And Polycarp was discipled by the Apostle John. So he links right back into the, the disciples. And he saw this about Jesus, Jesus coming to uh, come into our world and take on human flesh and be God with us and fill up life with the presence of the divine. And he wrote this. This is just a a precy of some of the things he wrote. He came, that's Jesus, to save all through himself, all that is, who through him are born into God. So not everyone is saved, but everyone who puts their faith in Christ and is born again is saved by Jesus. Therefore, he passed through every stage of life. He was made an infant for infants, sanctifying infancy. A child among children, sanctifying those of that age. A young man among young men, an example to them, and sanctifying them to the Lord. In the person of Jesus, God inhabits the whole of human life, right from conception through life to death. God inhabits the whole of human life and he sanctifies it. He makes it holy and he shows us how we should live and how we should treat other people. And that needs to affect our thinking and our actions and what we stand for and our values. 
Jesus was an embryo. Jesus was a, a fetus. What does that say about abortion, about what we do in that area in life? We need to think about that. Jesus inhabited the womb of a woman. How do we deal with that? How does that affect our values and what we think is right and good in this world? Jesus was a young child. That speaks volumes about how we should respect and nurture and welcome children. Jesus was a child. And his sternest words were against those people that treated children wrongly or badly, put uh, stumbling blocks in the way of their faith or treated them in a wrong way. He told his disciples off. He welcomed children into his arm. Jesus was an embryo. Jesus was an unborn child. Jesus was born and became a young child. Jesus grew up. So he sanctifies life. And we need to value life. We need to respect people. And we need to realize that, that life is not cheap. God has owned it. God has wrapped himself in human flesh. God became a person and lived and dwelt and set up his home and camp with us. And that means that we're all incredibly important and special to God. And we need to know that and we need to live with that thought about our work colleagues, about the relatives you might have spent time with over the last few days, about your neighbors that may be noisier than you want them to be. God ennobles, God inhabits, God is with us. God has taken on human flesh and that says a lot about God and it says loads about who we are as people and how valuable we are to God. Jesus was a refugee. He went to Egypt. How do we treat refugees? Jesus was arrested and put in prison. How do we treat people that are prisoners? And uh, it's great that we have connections in this church with a prison chaplain of Belmarsh Prison. And so all the famous people that have ended up on the wrong side of the law, they're in Belmarsh Prison. You can go and see Julian Assange and all the other people. They're all in there, just down the road in Woolwich. But people are there with them, helping them, putting on chapel services and alpha courses. Jesus was a refugee. How do we treat refugees? Jesus was a prisoner. How do we treat prisoners? It's really, really important. And Jesus shows that he's wrapped up with humanity uh, in a wonderful parable in Matthew 25. And I really like this. Actually, let's, let's read it out together. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come. You who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters... You were doing it to me. Jesus identifies himself with humanity, with men and women and children 
and says, if you love, if you care, if you visit in hospital, if you visit in prison, if you share your stuff with those in need, then you're doing it to me because I call people, my brother and my sister, their family alongside me. And incidentally, these are the verses that always remind me of food bank, when food bank are there for people in emergency food need. These are the verses that are ringing round in my head. Jesus, I'm sure, is at food bank there, sharing with people, standing alongside people, being with people. He's taken on human flesh. He embraces us. And that should be a great witness and inspiration to us. I mentioned this on Christmas Day. Giles Fraser is a vicar in, up in the Elephant Castle. And this is from a sermon he preached at St. Martin's in the Field a number of years ago. And he said this, It must be remembered that Christianity is arguably the most materialistic of the world's religious face. For with Christianity, God is imagined not as a cloud nor as a book, but as a human being, born in a shed and at one with the physical reality of human life. With Christianity, God is to be found in the dirt and not in the sky. And it's the real, engaged, hands dirty, feet dirty Jesus that we celebrate in the incarnation. He wants to walk into your life, into your family, into your situation. He wants to hold your hand and walk you into other people's lives and situations and be there as a light, be there as a witness, be there to make a difference. And uh, Giles is outside St. Paul's Cathedral. He was famous for joining that camp that was outside the cathedral a few years ago. Uh, But he was preaching this sermon in St. Martin's in the Fields, and they just redone the downstairs. And you probably know there's a homelessness project and all sorts of stuff downstairs in St. Martin's in the Field. His theme was God lives downstairs, not up on the ceiling, not just distant in heaven, but he lives downstairs. If it's upstairs, downstairs then God lives downstairs. I want to put the words from the Graham Kendrick song up on the screen, just the first verse of his song, He Walked Where I Walked. I want to pray for you this year that these words will be a reality for you. He walked where I walked. He stood where I stand. He felt what I feel. He understands. He knows my frailty, shared my humanity. Tempted in every way, yet without sin. God with us, so close to us. God with us, Emmanuel. I want to just pray on the back of those words for us for a moment, and then we'll conclude soon. Lord Jesus, thank you that you walk where we walk, that we follow in your footsteps, that you inhabit our footsteps where we go. Uh, today, where we go in our workplaces, where we go to uni, where we travel, where we hang out, Lord Jesus. You are walking in our shoes. You're walking with us. And in the circumstances of life, whether they're good or bad, thank you that you are pleased to walk with us. Thank you. You stand in our shoes. You're there when we get bad news, when we get pressurized, when we're upset, when we're angry, thank you that you stand in our shoes, in our place. You know what we're feeling. Thank you. You feel it in your own heart. You feel what we feel, and you understand, Lord. You don't reject us. You don't put us down, but you truly understand. Thank you. You know our frailty. 
Thank you you shared our humanity. Thank you you were fully tempted in every way, just as we are. But Lord, we can walk through those temptations because you strengthen us, because you did it without sin. And Lord, for this year ahead, we pray that you will be God with us, so close to us, God with us, Emmanuel. I pray for all my brothers and sisters sitting here and all the people connected in this church for Lorraine, in hospital, for people that are traveling, for people at home. I pray that they will know you walking where they walk and they'll know you as Emmanuel, God with them. So he walks where I walk, but he came down in order to lift us up. And it would be one thing if Jesus came down into our human life and just suffered alongside us. But he came down to embrace humanity, but to embrace us and lift us up. And Philippians 2 really uh, captures that, I think. Jesus, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling on to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges, the divine privileges of the heavenly realm. He took the humble position, not just of being on earth, but being a slave, being a servant. And he was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and even died a criminal's death on the cross. So that's how Jesus came down to our world and came to be not just born into the world but a servant a slave a criminal someone that was executed therefore because of this because God reached out to us and embraced humanity at every level therefore God elevated Jesus to the highest place the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names So the wonderful truth is that not only does God love us, embrace us, know what it is like to live a human life, come alongside us and walk with us. He gave up the privileges of heaven. He came down into humility, into poverty, being a servant. But through his obedience, God raised him up. And God wants to be with you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to be right there alongside you. He wants to be in your heart. But he wants to lift you. He wants to raise you. He wants you to flourish. He wants you to be all that you can be in him, strengthened by him. He wants you to fulfill your purpose and destiny and calling in life. He doesn't just come down to be miserable and join you in your pity party. He comes down to be there with you in order to give you a new perspective, a new outlook, to give you hope that things can change, that even though your circumstances may still be incredibly difficult, that in those circumstances, with Jesus, together with you, you get a new perspective, you get a new hope, you can see a way forward. He comes down in order to lift us up and to raise us up. So we celebrate the incarnation, God coming down, God being with us. But we celebrate it in the knowledge that he will also not just leave us where we are, but raise us up and lift us up as well. I love the way C.S. Lewis puts it, and he's obviously famous for writing The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. In the Christian story, he says, God descends to reascend. He comes down 
down from the heights of absolute being into time and space, down into humanity. But he goes down to come up again and bring the whole ruined world up with him. God's in the business of redeeming, of making you. His desire is to make all things new and to bring in a new heaven and new earth. He doesn't just descend, but he descends to reascend and lift us and the whole damaged world up again with him. So it's a wonderful message of reassurance and of comfort, but also of change and hope for the future. And that's the truth of the incarnation. Two people I've thought of uh, representing this kind of idea. The next slide, please. You probably know who one of them is or both of them. Mother Teresa, obviously one of the best things that's come out of Albania in the last hundred years. And she went to the gutters of Calcutta and just lifted up a dying man from the gutter and cared for him. And that whole ministry and witness through her life and the uh, Sisters of Mercy that she established is a wonderful picture of what Christ has done for us. And the other lady, who knows who she is? Jackie Pullinger. She was 21. She did a music degree in London. I don't know if you can still get them, but she got a slow boat to China. You could still get slow boats to China 50 years ago. You might be able to still these days. And she said, I want to go somewhere in the world and do what you want, God. She jumped on a boat to China, got off in Hong Kong. God led her into the walled city. It's demolished now. And she just got alongside drug addicts in the last days and weeks of their lives and has made a difference to them. And there's a big ministry, the St. Stephen's Society. And those are two people, and you can probably think of others, that embrace this idea of coming down, of being alongside those that are broken and needy and dying, but giving hope, giving the possibility of new life in Christ, helping them to become born again, getting free of drugs and disease, and having hope for the future in Jesus it's wonderful. So let's get alongside people and bless people and lift them up. And so finally, our attitude, that reading in Philippians starts with these words. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. We read in Philippians about Christ's attitude of emptying himself and coming to be with us. Don't look out just for your own interests, but also the interests of others, so that you have the attitude of Jesus. It doesn't come naturally. We need God's help. We need God's spirit. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, And the Lord, who is the spirit, makes us more and more like Jesus as we're changed into his glorious image. Being more like Jesus is not just our own effort and energy. It's a partnership with God. It's the spirit of God that helps us become more like Jesus and embrace that wonderful truth of the incarnation that God became flesh. He's there with us. He walked where we walked. He lived where we lived. He made his home among us to be with us, to comfort us, to understand us, to know how we feel, but also to give us hope and to lift us up. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the truth of the incarnation. We thank you that you are God with us. Thank you, you're not uh, a distant being known only in echoes and shadows. So thank you, it's not a vulgar thing 
that you took on human flesh as you were born into this world. Thank you that you ennoble and sanctify life. Thank you you experience the whole of life from birth to adulthood to death. You experienced it. You embraced it. But Lord, you come so that you can lift us up, that you can make us the people that you've destined us to be. Thank you you didn't abandon your world. Thank you you didn't screw it up and throw it away. Lord Jesus, thank you that you've come to redeem. And if we put our faith in you, then you redeem us. You start that work in us. And Lord, by your spirit, I thank you that you empower us to be there for others in the way that you are there for us. Thank you, Lord. Help us to have this mindset. Help us to have a real thankfulness in our hearts that you came down, that you are Emmanuel, God with us. And Lord, help us to walk into this new year together with you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.